Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to season seven of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Adrian Jaggard. Adrian is the CEO of Taylor Rose MW. Adrian attended BPP Law School, completing the GDL, LPC, and graduating with an MA in Law and Business. He trained as a law cost draftsman at Jeremy Roberts & Co. Solicitors. He was the managing director of Jaggards Limited, one of the largest suppliers of legal costs in the UK. Adrian has a wealth of experience supporting national and international insurers. He has worked with the Ministry of Justice, the Association of British Insurers, and the Civil Justice Council, where he has sat on two committees. In 2010, Adrian joined Taylor Rose as a partner, and he is now the CEO of the firm. Adrian prides himself in protecting the firm's fantastic entrepreneurial culture whilst placing the client at the heart of the business. So a very warm welcome, Adrian. Hello. Hi, Rob. Great to have you on the show. Before we dive into all your amazing projects, experiences, what we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is on scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality of the law on the scale of one to 10, if you've seen it? I'm sorry, Rob. I've never watched it, so I can't, I can't comment. <laughs> With that, we'll give it zero and move swiftly on to talk all about you. So would you mind, Adrian, telling our listeners a little bit more about your background and career journey? Uh, okay, sure. So I, uh, my background is I come from a, uh, I suppose, a fairly modest start. I, was, I didn't actually go through the conventional route to becoming a lawyer. I left school at a uh, young age. I didn't realize at the time, but I had pretty uh, profound dyslexia. So that meant that I was thrown into uh, work, which just randomly happened to be the law on something called a YTS program, which n hardly anyone, I'm pretty sure no one, none of your listeners will really know what that is, but it was a youth training program back in the 90s. That introduced me to the law and started a hands-on training. And that led me to become a cost draftsman, which some of your listeners will know what that is. It's basically an expert in legal fees. And that led to me to setting up a, a cost business, legal cost business with my brother, Anthony. And that was the point he entered the law. And we grew that business quite successfully in the UK, a very uh, fragmented, quite small industry. But we grew a business, a very successful business to be pretty large. And we were fine until there were some uh, legislative changes, which meant that fixed costs and a few other things were going to come in. And we knew the scope, the forward scope of our business was severely limited by this. So Anthony uh, said he was going to go off and train to become a solicitor. So he went straight into uh, his GDL and uh, LPC and uh, did a training contract. And I suppose I was motivated by the greatest motivation of all, which has not been outdone by your younger brother, and uh, <laughs> followed suit. So we set up Taylor Rose in 2009. I wasn't actually qualified. I think I was a trainee at the start of Taylor Rose, which was pretty random back then. I was an approved owner, but not a trainee, uh, not a solicitor. And uh, yeah, that was our journey into the law. That's interesting. Fascinating. I didn't know that, actually, that you were an owner, but not necessarily a solicitor. You must be like in the top one percentile in it for that to actually happen. I was. I became a solicitor. So I, sorry, I followed Anthony through into uh, the qualification. I became a solicitor about, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago. So yes, 
it was only in the early stages where I was a trainee solicitor and an equity partner in the firm. And it was funny because my training supervisor was a non-equity partner. So I was effectively their boss. It was a pretty random situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like that. Yeah, I like we random situations. And uh, so, yeah, we set up Taylor Rose. We brought across a lot of the culture from the cost business. A lot of people came across. And I think that's what led us into some of the work areas we went into, like conveyancing, because it was about risk control and, and efficiencies and you know that sort of thing. And we didn't really have a design for Taylor Rose. We, we were just trying to assimilate experience in lots of different areas. And, and then we ended up just by the nature of the environment we're in and our strengths, focusing on one or two areas like property and subsequently consultancy, which I'm pretty sure you're probably going to ask me about at some point. Yeah, exactly. And I guess I wanted to go back a step because, you know, for folks who may not be familiar, what type of firm is Taylor Rose? It's probably good to kind of go through, through that. And then you touched on sort of areas of specialization, some of the areas you, you specialize in. Okay, so Taylor Rose is a, uh, we call ourselves a consumer-focused legal firm. Uh, and that doesn't mean we don't do corporate. We do do corporate work, but we focus on the individual and their associated businesses. So our primary focus are individuals. So we would deal with family businesses. We would deal with uh, entrepreneurs, but we are not focused on large corporate. So that's fairly unusual for a firm our size. But it's, we're part of a growing group of law firms that are benefiting from or leading the consolidation of legal services on the consumer side, which is much more fragmented than the corporate side. Yeah, I think you articulated that really well. And I think it's, it's, it's true because the size that you've got to, to not act for corporates, I think is quite unique. So I want to talk about the evolution of the journey of Taylor Rose. Would you mind sort of talking us through that from, you know, those trainees equity partner days to sort of where you are today? Talk us a bit through the evolution of Taylor Rose. Okay, sure. So in the early days, so when we worked as a cost business, we quickly worked with insurance companies so our clients were primarily insurance companies and we would represent their interests on large bodies of uh, litigation and operate under a delegated authority for their legal fee liabilities because they were losing a court and negotiating settlements on things like pi claims in our early days we relied on that expertise we were able to bring across a maturity on things like information security and all that sort of stuff and we immediately went out and won volume litigation contracts from insurers. And we also pivoted slightly using those BD skills to get in uh, residential property work, conveyancing, and started from that point in expanding outwards, to be honest. So we were using skills that we had. And we, for the first few years, we were growing the business and we just started to acquire very small law firms. And that was about us trying to build up some momentum on things like will banks and, and that sort of thing, so that we could build other departments around those assets, because it can take a long time to uh, establish departments like that. So we were, I guess, working out what worked, taking a step forward. And if that step worked, then uh, doubling down on that on that step, really. So it's a really as I said, it wasn't, it wasn't specifically designed for a particular area. I can't claim a strategy from the outset, which led us to this point. In those early days, it was about seeing what worked. Uh, we had two rules. 
which we stick to more than ever uh, to this day. The first one is uh, zero compromise on lawyers. So we only wanted good lawyers. And if we were in any doubt, we didn't want them. Uh, and good clients. We only wanted good clients. So I think that shows through to this day with our market position and the sort of businesses we work for and uh, our point on things like fees, because we're often uh, quite expensive, but we're trying to offer, I guess, a slightly more premium uh, service in the areas that we operate. Yeah, I think you make a good point about good clients, because I think a lot of people, what I get to say is get caught in the weeds, right, where they'll just take clients and actually it's so not aligned with what they're trying to do or where they're positioning themselves. And actually, sometimes I think if you can kind of have that hard and fast rule like you have, clearly it can set you in a good way. And I also like that you talked about the strategy. Sometimes you've got to test something. I remember one of my mentors said to me, I'm not sure if it's completely true but sometimes strategy can stifle innovation i sometimes just see you know you can have these strategies and if you stick to it religiously actually sometimes allowing things to to sort of change you need to break your strategy change your strategy somewhat and, and move along i want to talk about your consultant model that you touched on because again for people who might be less familiar because you are disrupting the the legal sector with its unique structure of this consultant model so can you explain it to our listeners and anything else you think is important to um to sort of expand on around that okay so just over half of our lawyers are consultants and what I mean by that is they're either individuals that worked were directly with us worked directly with us at, under a consultancy model or which is becoming more and more popular generally and also within Taylor Rose groups of lawyers so we are seeing uh, either previously regulated law firms deregulating and joining us as a hub a group of lawyers within a uh, normally a limited company or as I said, individuals, and they, in the main, enjoy virtually all of the benefits you would associate with being employed. So if you look across one of our offices, you will see lawyers sat down, we're all open plan in all of our offices, and you wouldn't be able to determine which lawyer is an employee, which lawyer is a consultant, or which lawyer is working hubs, because the other way hubs grow, which is a really exciting part of our business and something where we've again pivoted towards, we have individual lawyers who start out that way and then start employing or taking on junior consultants or subconsultants within their entity and, and effectively create, create businesses within a business. So that's, that's who they are. Someone once told me it's like an, an army of legal entrepreneurs. I can't claim it. Someone else said it, but I used it again a lot because I think it's great. I love that analogy. I love the fact that we are effectively an, a lean framework starting to enjoy the benefits of scale and passing those benefits through. So we're almost like a collect. So that's the principle behind it. Level of detail below that, they are effectively a supplier, service supplier to the business, to Taylor Rose, and the client is a client of Taylor Rose. So obviously we need that because of the reserved legal activities, the finance, the IT, everything is carried out by Taylor Rose and Taylor Rose infrastructure. Taylor Rose brand is used throughout. So that's that's the arrangement. It, we started in consultancy around 2014. We worked out fairly quickly that it was a, a great way forwards. We didn't know it existed in other firms, existed in other firms. We didn't know it existed in other industries. So it's quite popular in other industries as well and is the dominant model. And we started creating growth strategies around consultancy. And then before we knew it, our M&A activity that had grown from those early days, we started acquiring and merging with larger firms and also our business development activity, which was, I guess, the third strand of our growth strategy. Both 
effectively stepped to one side and consultancy became our primary growth strategy. And that has accelerated and accelerated. We worked with and continue to work with Judge Business School on our growth strategy, have done since 2015. And we, the only final iteration is, I suppose, that they've all come together. So they work complementing each other. So when we, we're looking at pubs of lawyers, we may look at trying to introduce work from that locality. We may look at an acquisition of a business to fill a geographical gap. So they've, they've started off separately, uh, consultancy dominated, and it's almost like the other two now work in unison with consultancy, but consultancy still has that lead spot. Yeah. And so someone like myself, who's been in consultancy, I, I love it. And I really like the sound of the model. I want to go back to the word that you mentioned before, benefits, because in the Law Society Gazette article titled UK Firm Exports Consultancy Model to Australia, you outlined consultancy has become an attractive and viable alternative for experienced lawyers that offers increased earnings and a better work-life balance from working from home. So I think that's well known. And we've seen from the pandemic, that's, you know, a, a nice, you know, having that flexibility. But what are some of the other benefits of the consultancy model? lawyers have you know give us some other things that you think actually this is why it's a really attractive route okay so it depends who the lawyer is I'm going to start by saying I fundamentally believe that consultancy is a superior model to other models partnerships that sort of thing and if you are when you're talking about groups of lawyers who are weighing up the benefits of consultancy rather than working for themselves and setting up their own business what you have in that scenario is a framework which is pretty lean to be honest and accesses technology and efficiencies that you just wouldn't be able to access as a group of lawyers now the other benefits i guess i've gone into but the big reason might why you might not want to go down consultancy is because you don't effectively own an entity but what i would say in virtually all law firms they're not really a capital appreciation model they're not People don't necessarily set up firms to build something large and then sell it on as an asset. That does happen, but the vast majority of firms are a scenario where you would ordinarily buy in at some sort of ratio of net assets. You would enjoy enhanced benefits that includes the profits of the firm. And then at some point you sell that uh, share onto the next generation coming through. Now, it, if you accept that proposition that that's the majority of situations in law firms, which it is, and then and then you in turn accept the fact that it's effectively an enhanced income model rather than a capital model. Consultancy is a direct comparator to that. Consultancy offers the same things, but just in a different way. So in that scenario, what you are gaining is a much, much larger framework than in consultancy, because not just Taylor Rose, there are a few other consultant law firms, uh, that would be much larger than the, your average local law firm. And with that comes the firepower to invest in. We were talking just before this, things like AI, which you, can you do a podcast without mentioning AI? I don't know. But you know, we're all speculating a, a bit at the moment. Some of us are starting to enjoy benefits. But the main thing really is to have an awareness and understanding how the resources to invest in, in things that come across the horizon like that. So you are part of that. You know, you have you access that side of things, uh, whereas you might not, and you don't. There are other negatives like uh, politics and uh, uh, debt. Sometimes firms have too much debt, that sort of thing, and personal guarantees and all that sort of thing. So, in that scenario, that's my kind of well rehearsed response. As an individual, most people think they did, most people do it to earn more money. That used to be the case. Uh, lifestyle is a primary driver now.
Um, but you will have individuals who are joining for either one of those or both of those reasons. Yeah. No, I think, again, great, great points. But I, I do just want to apologize because you're actually talking to Rob GPT, not the official Rob on the show. So uh, as long as you're as long as you're comfortable with talking to an AI bot uh, and this is not me, that would be great. Um, but one day, who knows? That's you never right. know. Both sides. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so earlier um, this year, I believe, Taylor Rose announced it would be working alongside Australian firm GTC Legal. Yes. So I, I always say collaboration is domination, but can you share more about this collaboration and the types of projects the firms have been working on? Okay, so I think consultancy is at a very early stage in its evolution in the UK. Uh, there are a few of us enjoying strong growth right now, and there are more and more firms offering it as part of their existing way to deliver services or setting up smaller, newer consultant uh, firms. In Australia, the same thing's happening, but actually they are, they're not as advanced as where we are in the UK. So it really is an incubator stage in Australia. Then GTC are part of a group that are GTC lawyers and Armstrongs uh, and collectively big consumer law firm in Australia. They had stumbled across consultancy early to mid last year and set up a consultant program as I think the only provider of consultant legal services in Australia, kind of focus, consultant focused legal services. I might not be uh, 100% sure on that one, so I won't state it as a fact. But anyway, they, they had enjoyed a great deal of success between July and autumn and had effectively researched consultancy worldwide and worked out that the UK and the US seem to be a bit further ahead, ahead in that journey. And they approached us, I'll be honest with you, I got a random email from their CEO asking to come over to the UK uh, and talk to me about consultancy. So I was, I was happy with that. And we talked about options, about how we might transfer some of the skills they've got, because they had some fantastic skills around lead generation and technology that we weren't using, and some of the skills that we had acquired over eight, seven, eight, nine years on our journey of consultancy, because there are definitely some big lessons to learn along the way. So we we thought about joining up, but for reasons that I guess aren't so relevant, it wasn't the right thing at that moment. So we created a joint venture. We shared all of our lessons learned and our IP in the stuff that we felt we were stronger, consultancy mainly and then vice versa. And we set it in a framework where it encourages us to join together as businesses. So we build a bit of trust, a few other external factors fall into line, and then hopefully we join together as businesses. So that's, that's the journey, which is really an admission that, again, uh, we were just uh, uh, subject to our own fate, really, rather than uh, designing, uh, designing that. Uh, international expansion well i think sometimes you know by just purely staying in the game and doing good things opportunities come across your your lap and i love your entrepreneurial thinking you gave a great example there of actually this could have the deal could have buckled but actually joint venture felt like the right thing to do so i just love the way that your sort of mind works not just obviously having the legal brain but that entrepreneurial side of things as, as well and you mentioned ceo that leads nicely on to my next question because you are the current ceo of um, taylor rose what does a typical day look like for you what are some of your responsibilities okay so i think it changes it changes obviously day to day, but it also changes week to week and month to month. And the business itself goes through cycles. It's, I guess it would be fair to say that it's tough at the moment. Uh, in property, it's a, a really tough environment out there. 
uh, and has been for a while. So I guess sometimes I'm afforded the luxury of being able to stand back and, and focus on strategic issues. And I do try and spend most of my time doing that and working on things that haven't happened yet, uh, looking forwards and, and uh, trying to make sure that whilst we are open to all of these opportunities that I talked about, we, we are also prepared to make sacrifices. We can't be all to all. Uh, so we, we have to proactively make sacrifices and stay true to what we tell ourselves we're going to do, to be honest. Uh, and I guess we navigated that versus uh, the being open to opportunities by the fact that GTC was uh, interesting, the consultant proposition. So it was a natural evolution. And we always knew that international was going to feature on our strategy, but with such a big domestic opportunity. So Taylor Rose is the second largest uh, conveyancer in the UK, but we've got a 3% market share. Uh, we're one of the largest consultancy law firms, but we've got hundreds of lawyers, not thousands of lawyers, and it's 150,000 solicitors, and then God knows how many legal execs, conveyances, and all that sort of stuff. So we were very aware that we had a massive opportunity here and just scared of diluting ourselves, to be honest, but we ended up doing it anyway, but hopefully in a very risk-controlled way. So things like that would take up my day, certainly events, whether it's acquiring a law firm, or doing a JV like that, or also, I guess, working within the business that owns Taylor Rose, which is AIOC, and that will involve further m and activity and uh, oversight of their boards as well. I am uh, always guilty, or feel always guilty, about trying to improve my level of communication across the board. Uh, it's pretty basic what I do in terms of communications out to the business, and pretty, not basic, but uh, standard calls with the partners and you know video calls and meetings and all that sort of stuff I should be do I'd like to be doing more of that and sometimes when things get tough like they have done over the last six months I guess some of that gets parked and then you uh, get stuck into the detail a little bit more with whatever uh, relevant stream or uh, aspect of the business is affected and try and work out solutions uh, work out a path to where they want to get to yeah. And again, you were touching on some some really interesting points. I just want to dive a little bit deeper because a word that came to my mind is is, is leadership. Because obviously as a CEO, a CEO, you know, there's leadership, right? So how does your leadership style that you're kind of touching on before and vision contribute to the success of Taylor Rose? I think that's a really difficult question. Now, I believe that Taylor Rose has a very strong culture. I believe it's an entrepreneurial business. I think we're all proud of the fact we treat ourselves as a challenger to convention and, and the traditional structures and how, how uh, we approach not just consultancy, which is the obvious example, but in everything we do. Uh, and I guess it's about cascading that through. So it has, as time passes and the business gets bigger and it gets bigger and bigger, it's, you know, it's, there's 1,750 of us now. Uh, and my, uh, opportunity to communicate on a one-to-one -one basis diminishes what you have to do is keep reinforcing that and I must admit I will see minutes of a meeting that I'm not involved in it and I genuinely see our culture in that how those challenges have been faced or whatever tasks they're dealing with and I think my primary task is to make sure that that culture continues because I, I do believe uh, a little philosophical that that culture will determine whether we succeed or fail. And 
you can almost say to some extent our destiny is already set uh, based on whether we can stay true to that and not just become generic. So I, I don't know if I articulated that very well or not, but that's really important. I, I think you did. I think you did. I think you gave really clear examples as well. And I think, you know, what's refreshingly honest about your approach. And I also want to sort of, you know, commend you because challenger, absolutely. And, and challenger and successor, I, I would say. And it's certainly something from my own personal experience, you know, starting as a small little recruitment company, even starting this podcast to kind of top 1% and all of all the things that go with the show now. You know, I'm a big believer of people who dare to be a bit different, challenge, you know, disrupt, particularly in legal. Uh, you know, there's a lot easier markets to go out and try and uh, try and tackle. I think it's it's fantastic. But you also make a very valid point about, you know, culture. Culture is people, you know, really. You know, you can boil it down however you like, but really it's your people. And if you look after your people, they will naturally look after you. And it, it, it's clear that, you know, through the growth and everything that you've been going from, despite the current challenges, you know, it's, it's, it's going fantastically well. So let's talk a bit more about sort of roles that you hold and sort of that, that sort of day-to-day, -day, because you support the chairman and the board of directors in delivering their roles and del delivering on business strategies. So can you just tell us a little bit more about how you do that, sort of, you know, go into a little bit more detail? Okay. So we meet together as a board. I'm talking about Taylor Rose here. So we, yeah, well, there are a lot of it crosses over to the other businesses. We meet together as a board, and we will be, we will have some rotational tasks. We will have some things uh, percolating up from the business that need addressing, and we will come together to try and make decisions. And the principle is that the collective decision out of that group of people then trumps everything. It trumps my position. It trumps everything. So. I guess for me, uh, with the board at whole, as a whole, or even individual people that I'm talking to in the senior management team, I'm always trying to persuade, uh, I don't know that sounds a little random, but I'm always trying to explain why I think we should go in a, in a certain direction. And hopefully, uh, because we have very different characteristics, I'm pretty sure that others are always trying to uh, persuade me as well. <laughs> and the idea is actually that you all come from different perspectives and one thing you wouldn't want is a board full of just uh adrian characters because look it'd be a great six months and then uh <laughs> but you know, uh, uh it would you've just got to bring those different viewpoints together debate it hard and then agree an outcome that's the ideal scenario and that's what we try and do and do do most of the time. So I would think that's what I was, uh, the, the more detailed, uh, a more honest insight to what you just said, which I think you've probably picked off a website or something like that. But uh, that's a big part of what I do. So I, I will be supporting those individuals. I will be communicating with those individuals. And then, as I said, when we tend to have rotational items, but we also have external factors, creative focus on specific areas of the business. And that will be lots of one-to-one -one time working through whatever we need to work through. And it's not just about problems as well. You know, to achieve the growth that we've achieved, we need to be constantly horizon scanning. And that's not just at a board level. You've got to be constantly horizon scanning on opportunities and threats that are all around the business. So it's about trying to work out a, a larger group of people who are doing that and then finding some way of picking out the most important ones and then turning the business firepower towards that challenge or that opportunity. Time for a short break from the show. 
Are you looking for a way to get your firm working more efficiently and profitably while ensuring a better work-life balance for your team? Well, if you haven't considered our sponsor, Clio, I'm here to strongly recommend that you do. I absolutely love working with Clio. Not only is it the world's leading legal practice management and legal client relationship management software, it also has a really solid core mission to transform the legal experience for all, something I personally support. What sets Clio apart for me, it's their dedication to customer success and support. There are lots of legal softwares out there, but I know from talking to Clio users that their support offering is miles ahead of the rest with their 24-5 availability via email, in-app chat, and over the phone. Yes, you can actually call in and speak to someone. Clio is also the G2 crowd leader in legal practice management in comparison to 130 legal practice management softwares and has been for the last 14 consecutive quarters. G2 Crowd is the world's leading business solutions review website. You can check Clio's full list of features and pricing at www.clio.com forward slash legally dash speaking. That's www.clio.com forward slash legally dash speaking. Now back to the show. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, again, I, I, I love sort of, you know, the, the way that you, you work, the way that you think, the way that you sort of collaborate with, with people. I guess the question I want to sort of talk about, and by the way, to your point about boards, you know, diversity of, diversity of thought is important, right? Nobody wants an echo chamber. You can't move forward by loving the sound of your own voice. So I think it's great that you encourage that. And it's a, you know, a really welcome style because I know certain people within certain organizations who love an echo chamber. And for some reason or another, it's not surprising why they might not be where they want to be. But values are super important and do guide pretty much any organization. So what values does your firm endorse and how does your firm ensure employees feel at ease and aligned with the culture? So I think a lot of our management team has been with us a long time and that's great. That gives us a, a, a strength and stability that most don't enjoy and I'm very grateful for that. The flip side of that situation is that for many of us, the largest business we've ever worked in on any day is Taylor Rose that day because we're grown, we're bigger than yesterday and, and, and last year or last month generally. Uh, and so we are always adjusting to new challenges, new demands, new, uh, new pressures put on us. And that means we need to change. We have to keep evolving with the business. And I'll be honest with you, some of us manage it some of us don't and i do imagine the day one day when uh i no longer manage it and i hope i have the good grace to step aside and let taylor rose continue on its journey which i think it will uh do for many uh, many years to come so the reason i've said that is because hopefully that philosophy and that approach to evolving ourselves and the business can cascade all the way through so that characteristic i think is being ready to listen and learn and accept that in every aspect, better ways of doing things are, are uh, happening all of the time. So maybe that's the lead one I'd pick on. Yeah, no, and I think it's a great one to pick on. And you talked a lot about before about opportunities, threats, you know, the good old SWOT analysis. Um, you know, I, I guess we're going to lead on to a little bit about AI, but more broadly tech first, my first question. In what ways does Taylor Rose ensure its lawyers stay up to date with the latest tech trends and tools? 
up to date. So we would have all of the knowledge tools you'd expect from a large firm uh, and they're available to anyone who needs them within the business. Up to date with technology. I guess for us, it's about making sure that we are, I suppose, understanding the environment around us and the evolution of technology and then bringing that technology into the business as soon as we can. Now, that's nowhere near as easy as it sounds because there are thousands of new technology pieces uh, every year, you know, probably millions, God knows how many. Uh, so you've got to pick and choose. So you've got to try and work out what's good, what's suitable, what reflects our aspirations and, and our needs, and whether that might be growth needs or it might because we're going into a new area of law or new geographies like Australia. So we've got to pick through all of that and then uh, try and pick something which does the best job and then make that available internally. The only other key thing I'd mention is you've got to be not afraid to implement something that costs a fortune and then move from that item in a year, in two years, in three years. Uh, I think it's very easy to get hooked into a technology because you've spent a fortune on it and then actually it becomes outdated because that's the nature of technology and there's a better solution out there. And sometimes a lot cheaper, or sometimes a lot more simple, which tends to be the way it goes. And you've just got, in that scenario, you've got to move forwards and make sure that you uh, uh, move with that technology evolution. I think it's a really important point because, again, a lot of people will will buy this piece of technology and getting it onboarded is super important, you know, that integration. And they'll be looking for that ROI and they haven't got that within year one. They're like, OK, we need to wait year two, year three. Well, actually, you know, one of my mentors said to me, it's never ROI, it's COI. What's the cost of inaction of not buying another or moving away from that? And I think sometimes that cost can far outweigh you chasing or hoping that you're going to get a return on, like you say, maybe a technology that was fit purpose six months ago. But in the times that we're living nowadays, technology is moving at the rate of knots, you've got to be prepared to, to make those decisions. And I guess that leads nicely onto the word that you said we couldn't say during the interview, which we've already mentioned is, is AI, of course. You know, what are your thoughts? And before that, actually, I should mention you and I share a mutual friend in Piers Linney, um, who's also been a, a guest on the show, former Dragon's Den, former secret millionaire. Um, he's obviously very immersed in, in the world of AI. And he talks a lot about the need for lawyers to move up the value pyramid to enable them to be relevant in, in future delivering of legal services. And he also thinks, you know, accountants have had their day not too far away. So, you know, pretty verbose comments, but I think he's probably not far from the pin. But what are your thoughts on AI and machine learning applications being used to assist lawyers and research or legal draft they're complicated uh <laughs> first of all peers spoke at our conference earlier in the year uh i'm not sure if this is a plug for peers but he by f his 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 uh, hour slot which ended up being quite a bit longer actually was electrified the whole room uh, responded to the and his subject his subject was ai and how it might impact upon the law because obviously his background is a lawyer and the whole room uh in not only enjoyed but really engaged with what he had to say which was a future direction of law with ai's influence so what do i think i i think ai what do i know about AI? not nowhere near as much as him or or, or most i guess but ai seems to have a, a, an incredible application to the law which is a massive threat so ai uh, seems to suit uh, legal advice and the delivery of legal services about as well as anything I can think of, to be quite frank. So as a business, we need to work out what that might look like. Now, we have a whole load of people because AI has come a long way in the last year, basically. So we have a whole load of uh, businesses and individuals approaching us every, every, it seems like every minute, but it's not every minute. 
uh, offering their services and offering to work with us to a greater or lesser degree or introduce their, their products. And again, we're finding ourselves where we've got to pick and choose between those products and almost get behind either a team of people or uh, certain uh, product suites, things like Salesforce. And, you know, the big software providers are starting to integrate AI capability within their propositions, which is a much lower risk way of bringing AI into your business because you, you're actually leaving the engineering uh, to someone who can do it at scale and, and, and invest in AI and work through all of the challenges I'm talking about right now. But I do think it will be a big part of legal services. I do think that its application on things like conveyancing is even greater. Wherever you've got a uh, an opportunity to systemize a legal delivery process, harness information from uh, contributing documents uh, and create legal reports and, and send them out in any sort of repetitive way, AI has obviously going to to that before we know it so the only thing i'd say is temper all of that against the fact that things are changing quickly and that creates a sense of anxiety but at the same time it can turn it can twist and turn before the end position uh, evolves so i don't know it's a really saying all of that just reignites my whole concern about the, the situation which is we need to be embracing it we need to be AI assisted, and that's what that's the term we use. We're looking to be AI assisted. So we would say we want to be cloud first, AI assisted. But I see a day next year, the year after, perhaps the year after that, perhaps not next year, where that strategy would be an AI first strategy. And that would be, you know, the primary starting point whenever you're doing anything uh, in terms of evolving the infrastructure and processes systems within a business. I think, you know, again, refreshingly open responses, you know, in the world we live, you have to stay curious and you have to be open to learning. You know, nobody really, you know, unless you are fully immersed and been in AI for a long, long time, we're all learning this technology. I was listening to a podcast not so long ago, shared me by uh, my good friend, Mitch Jackson, who's also been on the show, who's really in, you know, top trial lawyer out in California. And, and, you know, they were talking on this particular show a lot about AI and thinking about, you know, the next billion dollar company could just be as little as three people. You think of the evolution of technology and, you know, that, the need for years and years ago, lots and lots of people. And so Instagram, I think, was the first company with 11 people to become the first billion dollar company. They were saying now with AI and the way that it could be structured, it could be as little as just three people. And every business should have a chief AI officer. And people talk about jobs being lost. Well, jobs created, you know, who would have thought a chief AI officer was ever a thing even five years ago? So, you know, I think there's real opportunity for people who stay curious, open to learning. And I think there's huge opportunities within the legal world, whether what the makeup and the fabric is, one thing for sure is we're always going to need legal. So people who can get their heads around that, I'm, I'm sure are going to win. And obviously you're doing a fantastic job at Taylor Rose of staying ahead and being, you know, disruptors of current times and no doubt the future. And that leads to one of my final questions talking of the future. Uh, what are some of the future initiatives you're excited about the firm that you're going to be embracing? So we are in the main happy with most of our strategy, our growth strategy. Uh, the future will entail growth. It's, you know, it's who we are. It's in our DNA. And that's almost a given, well, that is a given. So our future will be a continuation of that growth journey. I think key to delivering that is investing in ourselves and making ourselves better. That's not that trendy as a thought process or innovative, but the reality is legal services, uh, how we interact with clients, how we interact with the people working within the business, how we use technology, 
isn't uh, industry isn't leading the other industries. If anything, in large parts, I'm sorry to say, is uh, falling has fallen behind other industries. So, as a collective of lawyers, as a as a legal services industry as a whole, I think we need to be investing ourselves and making sure how we communicate, how we deliver. Uh, is efficient and uh, user-friendly and uh, addresses that massive unmet legal demand, which has been highlighted many times in independent reports. And that will happen through embracing technology, embracing AI, embracing other forms of technology and understanding that actually our clients aren't benchmarking us against the next law firm they're actually benchmarking our customer service against John Lewis and benchmarking our web portal against Barclays and, you know, that sort of thing. So we've got to join uh, that race as a whole. And that's a real high priority for Taylor Rose. And we hope that by creating a superior infrastructure, by using that investment firepower that we've got as a uh, biggest business nowadays, we can play a part in that journey. And then by doing that, continue to attract great lawyers and great clients. And I absolutely have no doubt that will be the case. And I want to finish up with probably the most important question of, of today. And if you want to take a moment just to, to reflect on this, but it's something I'm passionate about and talk a lot about, particularly online, is, is legacy. So what legacy would you like to leave as the CEO and founder of Taylor Rose? So the day will come, obviously. Uh, and it'd be weird uh, because it is such a big part of my life. It really is. Uh, and in a way, it almost becomes intertwined with your identity. So actually, it's quite a difficult question to think about. But what legacy would I, I you know, I, it's really important to me that Taylor Rose remains entrepreneurial, uh, remains comfortable challenging the norm. I think that's what it would be. And I say that cognizant of the fact that we've got a fantastic framework around that entrepreneurial viewpoint that protects us. So we our risk is fun. Our risk, our risk teams, our director of risk, how we approach risk is amazing. And that's a really big part of who we are. So what you have to do is have that entrepreneurial mindset and activity, and then just have it as part of a framework. That means that you're doing it in a very smart way, whatever you do, not just grow, you're doing it in a very smart way. And I think you can bring that combination together, keep making sure that you're evolving with the, the outside factors that, uh, so you're constantly taking your strengths and applying them to the opportunities outside. So you, you've got an inherent opportunity to grow instead of swimming against the tide. I think that's, that's probably what it would be. Yeah, I love that. And it, I, I thought that would be something connected just to the way that your mind works and that entrepreneurial flair, but as you mentioned, with sort of some parameters in place. But you have to go out there and break things. You know, you can't hate, you have to create, you have to go out there and make things happen. And that's how things move forward. So, you know, it's been a fascinating conversation, Adrian. Really enjoyed learning more about your journey and, and Taylor Rose. And I'm sure our listeners will. If they want to know more about your career or Taylor Rose, where can they find out more? And if people want to get in touch about anything we discussed today, what's the best way for them to do so? Feel free to shout out any social media or website links we'll also share them with this episode for you too yeah absolutely anyone uh, uh i tend to put all of my content on linkedin it's probably the most concentrated funnel of content but that's the, that's the best start i think but feel free to reach out if you've there's something relevant i'm always i'm interested in the business of law it's a passion of mine so anything along those lines yeah very interested love to hear Fantastic. Well, thank you so much once again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, wishing you lots of continued success with your career and indeed Taylor Rose. But for now, 
over and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, the Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com, for the link to join our community there. Over and out.